Hello, this is Paul. And this is Dave. We are the Derringer Brothers. And you are listening to Derringer Discoveries. Discoveries. Each podcast, we take you on a journey. A musical journey. Today's podcast is Blondie to Ecstasy, the best of New Wave and Why. We are starting with Blondie and we're ending with the band that's spelled X. T-C, but they say it ecstasy. There will be eight bands in between for a total of ten quintessential new wave bands. Paul, the new wave we are discussing today had its heyday from 1977 to 1983. Yeah, you and I have been talking about this. I've been consulting with others, and I feel confident that these are the correct dates. So that was six years of great music, and we're going to cover all that in the next 30 minutes. We sure are. We're going to go fast. Fast. There are eight million stories in the big city. People say I have a bird's eye view. Perched up here night after night, looking right down into the heart of the beast. But just ten of the many bands. Yes, and we'll mention a few of the bands that we're skipping, just so people don't think we overlooked them. Right. And I'm going to give three key dates today, Dave. Three dates. Kind of like the dating game. The first date will be the start of New Wave. The second date will be the height of New Wave. And the third date will be the beginning of the end of New Wave. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Three dates. I think I know when the end was. (laughs) The end was? When when I stopped working in radio in 1983, that was kind of the end of New Wave. Yeah, I think that's when everybody started lamenting the end of New Wave was in Dave. I had to to get a real job, you know. Welcome to the working week. Welcome to the working week. Welcome to the working week. Paul, do we have any listener letters today? Yes, Dave, we do. Derringer Discoveries listener feedback. We heard from the band Gun Hill Road regarding episode DD11, Paul and Dave's faves. The band thanked us for discussing their hit song, Back When My Hair Was Short. Back when my hair was short, I met some friends. And they noted that they have a new album coming out soon. We also heard from a listener in Richmond named Laura. She said she is a Blondie fan, and she wanted to know if we would do an episode about Blondie. One way or another. I asked her to tell me her three favorite Blondie songs, and guess what? That became the start of today's episode. Have you ever heard of Billboard magazine? I have. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm not going to talk about them. There was another industry trade called Record and Radio, R&R. And back when Blondie was the biggest thing around, they had a picture of Dagwood at the microphone. And the announcer said, unfortunately, Blondie will not be able to perform tonight. However, we have Dagwood. Yeah. What is that comic strip called? It's called Blondie. (laughs) Do you want to know if anyone's going to jump the shark today? I would love to know if anybody jumps the shark. Probably not, because we have so many bands to cover, it would not be fair to single out a band as jumping but the one shark. Of, one of your bands is a real dog of a band. <laughs> one band is a, a dog, and but I don't think they jump the shark, and no. I want our listeners to listen with an open heart and, and yeah. ears. Where is she? She's camping out under the stars. Dave, let's jump right in. Can you do some sound effects after you say that? Yes. Do you want me to do the sound of someone diving in? Cue up the diving man in the (laughs) pool. All right. So we're diving in. We're going A to Z. We'll take turns. Taking turns is good. I hate taking turns. I liked it better when I was like bigger than you and I could take all the turns and take all the records. Well, I'm going to go first. Just so our listeners know, we're skipping Adam and the Ants. We're skipping the B-52s that we included briefly in episode 11. We're skipping the Bengals. We're starting with Blondie. 
Blondie, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's a good choice, Paul. It is. Debbie, would you do me a favor? I am using Blondie as the start of New Wave. We say 1977, but I can do it a little bit better than that. I think New Wave started on December 23rd, 1976. Well, then we got to change all the script to say 1976. <laughs> nah, no. It's it was a, the last week of the year. The last week of 76. And why do you say that, Paul? <laughs> because they played at CBGB's on that day. What does CBGB's stand for? Country Bluegrass Blues. They played a song they were pushing as their single called X Offender. And they did a lot of things different. They were trying to be a punk band, but they didn't sound punk. They sounded poppy. So you mix punk with pop and suddenly you've got new wave. They also changed the title of the song so that it would not offend and they could get radio play. So what new was wave, the original? It, the original song was called Sex Offender. Oh my goodness. And they changed it to X Offender so they could get radio play. I laid my heart on the line. Right there, that tells you New Wave wanted to be on the radio. They were a more accessible form of punk. Yes, exactly. You have no idea what's about to happen here. And they took in other elements. Reggae and funk and rock and ska. alternative ska. Yeah, yes. it was all these elements coming together. Whereas punk tended to strip it all down, New Wave brought it all back in. And the one thing that New Wave had that only two punk bands ever had, keyboards. quintessential sound of New Wave is short songs with a lot of excitement and energy and kind of a nerdiness and the do-it-yourself, the DIY mentality. Exactly. Blondie had four number one hits. You ready for this? Laura, who was our advisor on Blondie, she didn't pick any of the four number one hits. Way to go, Laura. <laughs> Good, good job. So I'm just going to mention them briefly and play like three seconds from each, okay? Don't He's, you hate people who just pick all the number one hits, you know, <laughs> and do it in chronological order and have to tell about everybody who's in the group? Don't you hate that? Yes, yes. I, I do try to pare it down. I don't know why. Who, who in the right mind would be doing that? And the only reason I'm going to mention the four hits is because in my review of this, Dave, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Blondie is the only new wave band to have four number one hits. So you got a heart of glass. Yes, heart of glass is the first number one hit. Second one, do you want to try to top me on this? Uh, you got your telephone? Yeah, do you want to call me? I'll call you. Okay. That's the second number one. Third number one, I hear that when you're swimming, sometimes the water gets really high. Tide is high? Yes, that's the third number one hit. The tide is high. Now, the fourth one <laughs> is... It's kind of rappy. It's, yeah, it's sort of it's rappy. kind of crappy. Fat Five Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning, I said, it's called Rapture, and that was their four number one hits. But that was kind of cutting edge. You know, that's when rap was really just starting. That was by like 82, 83. Then they were branching out yeah. and trying to incorporate some other styles into the music. Dave, those four number one hits took place right in the heart of New Wave. Laura picked as her three favorite songs by Blondie, number three from the Eat to the Beat album, The Cut, Shayla. Was Shayla. Number two, from Parallel Lines, which was a big album for them. The album cut, it wasn't even a single, it was an album cut, 1159. Hanging on a frequency, burning like a fire for 
1159 by Blondie from Parallel Lines. Now, drum roll, please. Laura's number one pick as her all-time favorite song by Blondie is also from the Eat to the Beat album. But this one was, Dave, you ready for it? It was a single and a top 40 hit. It's called Dreaming. Dreaming, Laura's number one pick for the best song by Blondie. All right, David, who are you picking as your second quintessential new wave band? Alphabetically ordered, I hope. I think I should go with the Cars. Tell me about it. Well, from 1977 to 1987, the Cars had 13 top 40 hits, and we're going to hear them all right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Brandon Flowers. New wave, post-punk, power pop. They're all riding together into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Cars were named Best New Artist in the 1978 Rolling Stone Readers Poll. And 40 years later, they still sound like a new band to me. Dave, all of my life, one of the members of the band that's very prominent, we know his name. The main songwriter. Sure, the main tall songwriter. Guy, tall guy. Passed away a couple years ago. Passed away a couple 75. years ago. Yep. Uh, never I, heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> okay. I have said his name wrong all these years. I have always said Rick Ocasek, but we have learned from the induction ceremony presented by Brandon Flowers of the Killers that there is a proper way to say Rick's last Can name. Can we hear from Brandon right now? We're going to hear it from Brandon. Rick Okasik, not Okasik. You're all saying it wrong. And that's Brandon telling everyone the correct way to say Rick's last name, which we now know is not Kasich, but Kasich. Rick Okasik. Dave, I know you love the cars, but I heard you actually consulted with Alton, one of I our did. listeners. When Alton wasn't cruising around in that Grand Torino, he offered up three picks for the cars. I'm going to defer my choices to Alton. Wow. Okay, now did he pick really obscure stuff? He started off with Good Times Roll. Good Times Roll. times roll that was his number three that was his number three that was also their third hit okay so it was a top 40 hit it was number 41 so you're wrong oh, you were wrong it sniffed it's, but it didn't top oh and if we say sniff one more time <laughs> it's we're gonna it's, get kicked off of all platforms good times roll sniffed the charts at 41 and that was his third choice what's his second choice let's go like the nightlife baby Maybe. <laughs> so number two is let's go let's go and that was their first top 20 hit hit number 14 and in the summer of 79 it was the lead single off of the candy go album their second album the cars had it all the looks the hooks beat romance lyrics killer choruses my personal favorite is the first album yeah is yours the first album 
I like them both. I think the first album's better, but I think Alton would disagree with us. Because for number one, Alton is going to be... Wait, number one is... Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. He's going to choose an album cut for his number one <laughs> song of all time. Candio, the title track from their second album in 1979. And there you have it. That's Candio. That's what you get when you let listeners pick the songs. They go deeper than the hits. They, right. they have their favorite tracks, and they're not necessarily the hits. You sure I can't talk you into including The Clash today? Paul, you don't want to clash with me. I think we've already decided that The Clash, if we do a punk rock episode, we're going to include The Clash, The Ramones, and bands like that that came right before the new wave. Okay, Dave. I'll skip The Clash, but I'm going to go to my personal favorite, Elvis. Elvis Presley! Elvis Presley, yes. Ain't nothing but a lot of people don't no. know that Elvis Presley was a new wave artist. Yeah, and I get to say my favorite joke from my childhood. I say it. What's green and sings? I don't know. Elvis Presley. Well, the Elvis that I enjoy quite a bit is Elvis Costello. I am sorry, young man. We wanted to hear your music. We would attend one of your concerts in the bus station. Dave Costello had legitimate hits, but we're not going to cover the hits today because he wasn't hitting, at least in America, during the time of New Wave. However, Dave, I feel like his best albums were the first four albums, which are represented from 1977 to 1980. I'm sorry, sorry. you're going to stick with that 4-4 tempo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Since I can only play three songs... I am picking songs from the first and second album. And Dave, I'm going to pick my three, and then I'd like you to weigh in. What about you, sir? What about you? Can you keep a steady beat for me? Sorry, no. Number three for me, from the first album, My Aim is True, released in 1977, the album cut, The Angels Wanna Wear My Red Shoes. Oh, I was watching while you dance away. I look at Ratchet in the echo and sweet. The Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes by Elvis Costello. Number two is also from the first album, although technically it was tacked on to the British album when it was released in America. So it's not on the British first album, but it is on the America first album. And it was the first song to feature many members of his backing band. The Attractions? Yes, yes. Well, that's really... And and so if you listen to the album, he has a different band backing him. Clover. My Aim is True. Clover, which is actually Huey Lewis's backing band. But the last song, Watching the Detectives, which was tacked on, features members of what was soon be known as the attractions and that is watching the detectives And did you 
know that bubbled under the charts at 108? That is cool. So it did bubble. It bubbled. It didn't sniff, but it bubbled. It was the first time he even appeared on Billboard at all on the singles charts. So Dave, you probably are waiting with bated breath. Well, I brushed my teeth. What did I pick as my all-time favorite Elvis Costello song? Well, I got the script right here. I can read it if you want me to. No, I want you to act like oh, you don't know that you have so the script. We want people to believe that I'm not holding like a 20-page script here. <laughs> if I do this, will you take a break? Yeah, a lot of breaks. Yeah. So all Dave, right. I know you're waiting with bated right. breath, and you want to know what my number one pick is. And when you dry your hair in the morning, you like to get a lot of volume in your yes, hair. And see, what do you do? I pump it up. Here it is. Elvis Costello from the second album, This Year's Model, and the song is an album cut. And by the way, it's played a lot at exercise clubs. When I'm exercising downtown in Charlottesville, I hear this song. Pump it up. Costello, my all-time favorite Elvis Costello song. Dave, did you agree with my picks, or do you have three of your own? Well, even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame agrees with you. They've chosen two of Elvis' songs for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Pump It Up was yeah. one. <laughs> yep. You want to try to guess what the other one is? Allison. Allison. Am I wrong? Allison was actually chosen by Rolling Stone in their top 500 okay. songs. It was a song that was actually not written by Elvis. It was written by Nick Lowe. Oh, yeah. Well, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? We're going to give a little shout out to Nick Lowe because he did produce some of the early Elvis Costello stuff and he's a great performer in his own right. Yeah, he had Cruel to Be Kind. Can we hear it? Yes, here's Cruel to Be Kind, just a snippet. Next group on the list is Malice. Malice? Malice. That's that's not alphabetical. Okay. Well, they changed their name to Easy Cure. Well, that's closer. E could work. You sure you want to go straight to the E's? But then they shortened it down to The Cure. Ah, now we're talking The Cure. You're talking about Robert Smith's band. Yes. The Cure continued on, right? They went on well after the New Wave movement. Did you know that Friday, I'm in Love, one of the songs by The Cure, has been streamed more than 336 million times on Spotify? One of our listeners is Jeff from Katona, New York. He gave us his three favorite songs by The Cure. All three were written or co-written by Robert Smith. And all three songs were released during the New Wave movement from 1977 to 1983. But he wanted to make upbeat goth rock. Yeah, upbeat goth rock. So what are the three songs that Jeff picked? From The Cure album Faith, released in 1981, Jeff chose an album cut called All Cats Are Gray. That's All Cats Are Gray, Dave. I have a comment about Robert Smith and Cats. And we'll talk about it after you go through Jeff's picks. So what's his number two pick? From the Cure album Pornography, released in 1982, Jeff picked an album cut called The Figurehead. Big hit in the UK and New Zealand, wasn't it? But not in Australia. 
Dave, what do you have for number one? Jeff's all-time favorite Cure song, a standalone 12-inch single released in 1982 called Just One Kiss. Did you know that Robert Smith loves cats? Like, you know, like kitty cats, you mean? Yes. Just like you. He's a cat fan. He is a cat lover. And I thought it was interesting that Jeff, a big fan of The Cure, chose All Cats Are Grey as one of his three all-time favorite songs. Because, you ready for this? One of my all-time favorite songs by The Cure is also a song that has cat in the title. It's called The Love Cats. We move like cagey tigers, oh, we couldn't get closer than this. The way we walk, the way we talk, the Robert Smith loves cats. So much so that in 2019, he appeared in a campaign with 19 other artists promoting cats for the National Cat Day. Well, every dog has its day. Every so, dog has so its day. So they should have a cat day. Yes. And they do have a cat day. <laughs> That's great. I know you're thinking I'm making this up. And what's his favorite Broadway play? I'm not going to go it's there. Prob- it's probably Cats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so National Cat Day is October 29th, and I know where you will be on National Cat Day. With my cats? Yes. Be- I'm probably right, actually. Actually, <laughs> I'll be with my cats every day. <laughs> Dave, we are going to skip Depeche Mode, Devo. Rip it. Rip it good. Did you want to say anything about Devo? They got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But we're skipping them. In addition to skipping Devo, we're skipping Thomas Dolby, Duran Duran, Echo and the Bunnymen, and the Eurythmics. And we're going to perhaps the biggest band that is on our list. The biggest band? The biggest band. <laughs> now, yes. you, you talked about Cat Day. We're going to have talk about dogs now? Yes. We, we just finished talking about Robert Smith's love of cats. So our podcast is raining cats and dogs. And dogs. dogs. <laughs> and my love of dogs. And what's your favorite type of dog? Well, it's actually... A lab, but the name of the band. Stereo Labs. That's a Stereo good Labs. Fabulous Poodles. Now you're going to probably say they shouldn't be on this list. They're a one-hit wonder. Yes, and we're breaking the streak, Dave. This is one band that is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Probably never will be. And I can't help it. I know you're probably upset. Are you upset that I picked them over the Boomtown Rats? Yeah, I think I like rats better than dogs. Yeah, yeah. Cats and rats and then dogs in that order. We have a listener, Dave. <laughs> well, that's amazing. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Hey, Mom. Thanks for listening, Mom. We have a listener named Finn. He has a vinyl copy of the album Mirror Stars by the Fabulous Poodles, and it was their effort to be part of the New Wave movement, and it was released in 1978. Finn helped me pick the three songs that we are choosing to represent Fabulous Poodles. So the third favorite song is what you described as their only hit, and that is, do you want to say it? Mirror Star. Yeah, Mirror Star. Hit number 81 and stayed on the charts for one month in May of 79. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame because it's a great song. Fabulous Poodles. He practiced on his way to school. His friends all said you're up the wall. He played a tight elastic band. 
fabulous poodles. The second song is Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike. Mr. I like Mike. that. Yes. Can you hear my microphone? Sing it to you, darling. As you sit all alone. Fabulous Poodles. Now, for number one, by the way, all three of these are from the same album. They're all from Mirror Stars. Number one is, drum roll please. Number one is B-Movies. B-Movies. Whatever happened, where did they go? Familiar faces at the picture show. They flicker past like in a dream. Those unsung heroes of the silver screen. Finn, thank you for helping me pick my three favorite songs by the Fabulous Poodles. Also, Finn, thank you for helping me stand up to my bigger brother and keep the Fabulous Poodles on the list against all the odds. Bigger or older? Well, bigger and older. <laughs> so you want to skip the fix, Flash in the Pan, Flock of Seagulls. How about G's? Mm, Go-Go's are up for the Hall of Fame, yeah. but I don't, I don't How know. How about Grupo Sportivo? We can save them for Dutch treats. Yeah, yeah. Human they're League? they're from Holland. Human League? Uh, Billy Idol? NXS? How about The Knack? The Knack? I like like that. They are the other new wave band to have a number one hit. From 1979, here's a snippet of My Sharona. Mice Aroma. <laughs> yes. Mice Aroma. It's a San Francisco treat. Dave? Yes? Now you gave me grief about the Fabulous Poodles, but it's your turn. So tell me, who are you picking that you can look your nose down at me and my Fabulous Poodles? Joe Jackson. And is he in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, he is not. <laughs> okay. But he should be. He should be. So what did you pick, Micah? I, I get to pick now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I would like to start off with my number three pick is going to be It's Different for Girls. What the hell is wrong with you tonight? I can't seem to say or do the right thing. Wanted to be sure you're feeling right. Wanted to be sure we want the same thing. She What's your number two? Stepping Out. Yeah, that's a good one. Is that doing the new wave period? That is 1982. We, so tired of all the darkness in our lives. With no more angry words to say can come alive. Get into a car and drive to the other side.
He was kind of transitioning to more of a jazz sound there. Right, and that's what's interesting <clears throat> about New Wave is these bands are starting to branch out. They're starting to go in different directions. So really, New Wave starts to peter out simply because it becomes other sounds. It morphs into other types of rock music. And really, New Wave was just a catch-all. It was a for, catch-all. For yeah. popular music yeah, yeah. in that time period. Yep, you, you've got it. So what's your number one? Drum roll, please. Is she really going out with him? Yes. No, I, I, I'm asking yes. you. Yes, <laughs> it's a great song. Is she really going out with him? Is she really gonna take him home tonight? Is she really going out with him? Cause if my eyes don't deceive me, there's something going wrong around here. Dave, was that a big hit? That was his first hit at number 21. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have anything else you want to say about Joe Jackson? I think that he is well overdue to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We, uh, we're going to skip a lot of people. I know you're thinking it's crazy that I'm skipping Graham Parker and The Rumor, which is a wonderful band. And I'm also skipping Gary Newman, who I think of as the quintessential new wave artist. Down in the That synthesizer-laden, kind of deadpan, you know, sardonic, you know, voice. We'll just keep moving. Patti Smith, we're going to skip. Oh, man, that's... Our, yeah, I know. That's I know. hard to believe. It's hard, but our next quintessential band is... Is it the word of the day? Quintessential is yes. the word of the day. Yeah. The next quintessential band is The Police. So the three I picked by The Police from their first album, Atlantos de Amor, released in 1978, Roxanne. Roxanne! put on the red light Paul. <laughs> my second pick number two by the police from the third album Zenyatta Mandata released in 1980 Don't Stand So Close to Me Number one pick, all-time favorite pick by the police, and I'm curious to see whether you agree with me, from their album, their final album, fifth and final album, Synchronicity, released in 1983, and it's called Synchronicity 2. was the hit synchronicity one was not the hit yeah yeah this so, is a great song this is a great song so dave i'm curious what would you pick by the police if you could well i think every breath you take but that gets played so much yeah every breath you take i would say maybe message in a bottle yeah i yeah. hope that someone gets my message in a bottle 
What else? One more. And one more, I'd say born in the 80s. Born in the 60s. What else? You said born in the 80s. <laughs> Wait, we came out. Came out in the 70s, yeah. actually. Born, born in, in the, the 50s. Born in the 50s. Yes. I only was messing it for about three decades. Yeah, yeah. We were the class they couldn't teach. So Born in the 50s by the Police is yes, one of you would pick. off the first album. Dave, as you know, I already gave an important date in new wave music, and that was December 23rd, 1976. Now, this is the second important date. It's August 1, 1981. The day that MTV <laughs> debuted on cable TV. That is right. MTV debuted on 8181. Seven, six, five. Or we've gone for main engine start. We have. But you could really only pick it up like on cable channels in New York at the time. But it still debuted. But then it got bigger and bigger and that more bloated and then, it, and then it passed away. If you yes. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. And that signified the height, in my view, of New Wave, with New Wave being broadcast on TV. You got to see all these different zany looking groups. Yes. Like Blondie. And the Cars. The Cars. Even more importantly, Dave, what, more what was the first song played on 8 1? 81 when MTV was launched. I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. They took the credit for your second symphony. Rewritten by machine on new technology. And now I understand the problems you could see. Buggles? It was by was, the Buggles. Was it happened to be Video Killed the Podcast Star? <laughs> yeah, video Video Killed the Podcast Star. All right, Dave, it's your turn. Who are you picking next? The Pretenders. Are you sure about that? Are they really worthy of being a quintessential band? I think they are. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So They got a great uh, front woman in Chrissy Hine. Okay. And even though she's from Ohio, the group was formed in England. Jolly okay. old England, yes. Do you know why she was in, in England? She was a writer for a uh, magazine, And right? she was covering the Sex Pistols and ah. the Clash, and then she formed her own group. So she was covering the punk bands and she said, you know what? I think I can do this stuff and maybe I'll make it a little more accessible so it gets played on the radio. What are you picking as your three favorite songs? At number three, even though this song was actually still on the charts as we got into 1984, I'm going to pick Middle of the Road. Middle of the Road is no private cul-de-sac I can't get from the camp to the curb without some little trick on my back don't harass me, can't you tell I'm going home, I'm tired as hell I'm not the can I used to be, I got a kid, I'm 33, baby Get in the road Come on now In the middle of the road, yeah Okay, interesting, middle of the road, and you're right, that was at the tail end But we're going to allow it, because we did say 1983 qualifies And then, for number two, I'm going to pick a song that came out in 82 And it's called Back on the Chain Gear. Now we're back in the fight We're back on the train Oh, 
And what's your number one pick? Drum roll, please. Number one pick for the Pretenders. I remember driving back for a college reunion, and on the radio I heard this beautiful voice coming out. And it wasn't mine. It was, you know, it was somebody <laughs> else. It just was stopped in my tracks. And it was Brass and Pocket. Yeah. I'm special. Number one pick. That's number one, because that's the first time I ever heard the beautiful voice of Chrissy Hine. Good choice, Dave. Brass and Pocket. That leads us to our next quintessential band. And I think everyone will agree that this band is a quintessential band. Talking Heads. They definitely are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They were admitted in 2005. I went to a fan, one of our listeners, Ralph from Louisiana. That's one of his favorite bands. And I said, hey, what are your top three favorite songs by Talking Heads? And you ready for this? He did just like Jeff, just like Laura, just like everybody else. He went deeper than just the hits. For his number three choice, from the album Remain in Light, which was released in 1980, but the single was released in 1981, Once in a Lifetime. Once in a Lifetime, his second choice. This is Ralph's number two song by Talking Heads, also from the same album, Remain in Light, the single Houses in Motion, released in 1981. Houses in Motion, and now, drum roll please, Ralph's favorite song by Talking Heads from the album Fear of Music. It was released in 1979, and it's the single, Life During Wartime. During wartime, Ralph's pick as the number one best song by Talking Heads. 
Dave, we're going to keep moving along. We're skipping Thompson Twins. We're skipping Till Tuesday. Sorry, Amy. And we're going to our last. Dave, you get to wrap it up with our final quintessential new wave band. XTC. XTC. Pronounced Ecstasy. And I was probably the first person that I know of who had an Ecstasy single. And that's going to be my number three choice. Making Plans for Nigel. We're only making plans for Nigel. And that's Making Plans for Nigel, Dave's number three choice by Ecstasy. And in the song, the mom and dad are making plans for their son Nigel. They want him to work for British Steel. So, of course, Ecstasy is kind of putting down British Steel. So what British Steel, the company in England, did, they got four guys who who worked for them already, whose names were Nigel, to go on record to say they liked working at British Steel (laughs) to counteract the snarkiness of making plans for Nigel. Kind of were overdoing it. I think they jumped the shark. I think they jumped the shark by trying to counterattack. That probably gave it more publicity. It gave it a lot more publicity. (laughs) What's your number two choice? Generals and Majors. Yeah. From Black Sea. Yeah, that's a great song. Do you remember that album? I do. You gave it to me. I know. I got two DJ copies, and I was nice enough to give you one. And then number one on the list, and this will probably bring it back some memories. Okay, number one. Sergeant Rock is going to help me. True or false, the first eight track that you ever released was called Sergeant Rock. That is true, and it was probably influenced by Black Sea by Ecstasy. All right, Dave, thank you for picking Ecstasy. Can I say that they're also from England? And I would, just for the heck of it, I'd like to say that the two main lead singers are Andy Partridge and Colin Moulding, and on keyboards, Dave Gregory. They were originally considered a punk group, along with the Stranglers. They're the only two punk groups that allowed keyboards in their music. All right. Came in handy when they became New Wave, but yeah. as you said, later on, they morphed into something completely different. Of course, that's out of our time period, so we won't be talking about Skylarking. Which was produced, of course, by another of our podcast victims. Todd Rundgren. Podcast subjects, I should say. Todd Rundgren. Well, Dave, I'd like to just give one choice. Just I think people will know this song, and I wanted to mention it. Okay. Census, Working Overtime. Census, Working Overtime. Yeah, that's a good one.
by XTC. And that's our bonus track. That is our bonus track that since is working overtime, whereas it didn't sniff the charts <laughs> no. in America, it did hit number 15 in Ireland, oh. number 12 in Australia, and top 10. Top 10 in the UK. Well, that's great. Just like the Fabulous Poodles only hit the Hot 100 one time, Ecstasy beat them with the mayor of Simpleton, but we can't play a snippet of that because that's from 1989. So please do not play any snippets of the mayor of Simpleton. Okay. Even if I mention the mayor of Simpleton, please do not play a snippet of the mayor of Simpleton, although that was their only Hot 100 hit in America. But I'm begging you, Paul, Okay. I'll... under no circumstances are you to play a snippet of mayor of Simpleton. bringing it to a close but dave you're probably wondering wait a minute i only gave two key dates in new wave music now this final date is probably going to lead to some letter writing but i think the final date takes us back to blondie and this is my rationale i believe blondie mainstreamed new wave music it got it on the radio it got it on mtv it was part of the mainstream and when blondie couldn't hit the top 40 anymore i believe that signaled the beginning of the end of new wave after blondie put out an album called the hunter on july 12th 1982 they released a single called war child and i believe that signaled the end of new wave music you think that was it that was the death knell it was the beginning of the end I think you're giving Blondie too much credit. I mean, near the beginning of the episode, you told us that December 23rd, 1976, a performance by Blondie signaled the official start of the New Wave movement. Yeah. And now you're claiming that the failure of Blondie's The Hunter and the single from it, War Child, in mid-1982, was the the end of the New Wave. So you're saying they started it and they finished it. They started it and finished it. That's my... That's my position, and I'm going to stick to it. Well, I think you're overstating Blondie's significance. Personally, I like Dagwood better than Blondie, okay? <laughs> you're bound to get some negative messages from me and my many followers. So, Mom, uh, Big Brother, and if she's not ashamed, you know, maybe my girlfriend, that would be three people giving you some bad messages. All right. And, Dave, I think what further shows the end of New Wave is 1983, when R.E.M. put out their debut album. They are not calling themselves New Wave wave they're calling themselves alternative rock and that album came out april of 1983 and i think by then new wave was a thing of the past listeners you can leave us comments on the various platform sites but you can also just write to us the old-fashioned way at derringer discoveries at gmail.com and please look both ways before you step off of a platform until next time until next time i am paul derringer and I'm Dave Derringer. I didn't know that. If I hadn't have read that, I would have said probably I'm Dave somebody else. Once again, you like the illusion that we're not reading the script. I'm Paul Derringer. I'm Dave Derringer. We are the Derringer Brothers. And we thank you for listening to Derringer Discoveries. In your sister's room.
Major Discoveries theme song, Your Sister's Room, is provided by the band Hojo Fro and is available on numerous digital platforms including Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple. If you haven't figured it out by now, my brother Paul is a member of Hojo Fro, a band that will never be a legitimate feature on our Derringer Discoveries podcast. That's probably why Paul insisted that we include the Fabulous Poodles to represent all the bands that didn't quite make the grade. As part of today's post-episode feature, I am playing a snippet of Hojo Fro's new song called Music Box Killer. It is actually a rewrite of a song that Paul wrote circa 1983 at the end of the New Wave movement. If you download or play today's episode playlist, you will hear this song by Hojo Fro, officially released on April 1st, 2021, April Fool's Day. snippet of Music Box Killer by Hojo Fro. Here is one last tidbit for anyone who is still listening to this podcast. And if you're not listening, you're not going to hear me say that a budding director-screenwriter named Danny Wagner, who recently returned from L.A. to Charlottesville during this pandemic, wrote and directed a musical video that accompanies Music Box Killer. You can watch Danny's video on YouTube by searching for Hojo Fro Music Box Killer. That's H-O-J-O-F-R-O, Music Box Killer. Keep the feedback coming, and we'll see you next time.